In the name of God the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I'm going to be talking primarily today about the second lesson, the epistle. You know that epistle is a Greek word. It means a letter. So this is, this is one of the apostolic letters. And it's the letter, it's a letter of St. John. It's St. John's first letter. Of all the 12 apostles, tradition, tradition tells us that the only one who, to die a natural death, the only one who was not martyred, killed for the faith, uh, was St. John. He died of old age. He got to be very, 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 very old. Not, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, people think maybe almost 100 years older, maybe older, who knows, but something like that. A long time he lived. And his letter uh, is one of the last things to be written down of all the, if we can kind of date when the New Testament texts were written. This is one of the last things to be written down. In the Dean's Forum these days, which is on Tuesday night by Zoom, we're reading St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. That's one of the earliest things. Within about 20 years of the resurrection, that's one of the earliest things written in the New Testament. This is one of the last things that's written down in the New Testament. And people would have, the, the people in the churches of the, uh, of, uh, of ancient, uh, the ancient Christian world would have been galvanized by this letter. They would have been, they would have been, just been, um, you know, standing in line, like people stand in line for Harry Potter to come out, right? They would have been standing in line to, to, to have this letter read to them in church. They would be so excited about it. Here were the last words of the last living apostle. After this, first you have the apostles, and then um, they become the original bishops, and then they hand on the episcopacy to their, to their successors. We believe we stand in that, in that line, but here is, here is the last one who, who walked with him from Nazareth to Jerusalem, who, who witnessed the crucifixion, who witnessed firsthand the resurrection, who partook of the bread and the wine on the night in which he was betrayed. And almost all of the apostolic letters were written for a purpose. Well, St. John has two purposes. One purpose is he wants to give a summary of his gospel, of the apostolic teaching, the apostolic preaching, the apostolic gospel before he dies. This is his last will and testament, so to speak. But all of the um, apostolic letters, almost all of St. Paul's letters, and certainly these letters of St. John, they're written because of trouble that comes in the church. And the trouble is this, um, St. Paul, for instance, um, he founds a church, well, he, he goes to a town, he spends about a year there, uh, he starts out talking to the Jews who are looking for the Messiah to come, then some Greeks become interested, and people come to Christ, he establishes a church, he calls uh, some of the men to be elders or presbyters or priests to carry on to carry on the work, one of them maybe to be an episkopos, to have to be the supervisor. And, uh, and then he goes on to the next town. And then he hears that there's trouble behind him. And what is the trouble? False teachers have appeared. People are coming in and they're saying, well, St. Paul, he told you a gospel. It's, it's pretty good, but it's not the whole deal. You need more. Uh, in St. Paul's case, what they were, the more that they were saying was, you need to keep kosher. 
yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but you also need to keep kosher. And, and, and uh, Paul is uh, very adamant that this is a false gospel because uh, we do nothing to earn our way with God. God's salvation of us is his descent to us in mercy, grace, and forgiveness. It's the free gift. He's not waiting for us to, to eat the right things in the right way before he saves us. So this is, this is essential to the gospel. In St. John's case, there are different kinds of false teachers. They're called Gnostics. Gnostics, an English word, uh, we get it from a Greek word, gnosis. Gnosis means knowledge. And so what the Gnostic teachers are doing is they're coming in uh, to, the, the, to, the, to the churches. Uh, St. John becomes the bishop in Ephesus, which is in Turkey now. It's a Greek-speaking city on the Aegean Sea. It's in Turkey now. And there, there's a, he's the bishop there in Ephesus, and there are churches all around and all the, all the little towns around. And there are some of these false teachers that are coming in. And they're teaching Gnosticism. And their message is this. Uh, um, you've heard the basic news about Jesus, but there's more. Now, uh, if you're willing to pay, you know, a hundred bucks for the special seminar, we'll tell you what the more is. And by the way, this is not for everybody. It's not for the hoi polloi. You know, it's only for the, for the elite. It's only for the sophisticated. Ordinary people can't understand this. You have to be uh, highly cultured to be receptive to this special knowledge. But we'll give you the secret. Yeah. And um, it'll be a, more of a lecture than a sermon to go into depth into Gnosticism, but there are some things that the Gnostics have in, in common. One of the things that they have in common is contempt for this world. This is not God's good creation that is fallen and flawed and needs to be restored and renewed. And the renewal has already appeared in the resurrection of the Lord. And, and, and that renewal that appeared in him is, is being communicated to the whole human race, through the Holy Spirit as the first fruits of a new heaven and a new earth and the regeneration of the whole cosmos. For, 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 the, for the Gnostic, the world is not God's good creation. It's irredeemably bad. And the thing to do is to escape. And you have to ascend to the pure spiritual world. And Jesus was a spirit person. And he came to teach us about spirit. And he came to give us the secret knowledge. And with this secret knowledge, we can escape this uh, awful world. And, and we can ascend to the heavens. The ancient Gnostics wanted to escape to the above. The, the, the present-day Gnostics want to escape to the future. And the Gnostic would say uh, things, well, they would say you don't need externals. And um, they would say things like, um, Jesus was the spirit person, and the spirit descended on him at his baptism. But you know, a spirit person couldn't really be crucified. And so the spirit departed before the crucifixion. And, uh, and this sort of death and resurrection and uh, uh, baptism and the Holy Eucharist, you don't need any of that. You just need this true spiritual religion. There, there, there are examples of that in the 20th century. Uh, insofar as I understand it, the Christian scientists say Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He only appeared to die on the cross. 
And by the way, you can't understand the Bible unless you have the key to the scriptures, which is Mary Baker Eddy's book. The Bible's a, Bible's a good thing, but you need, you need, you need the, the key to the scriptures as well. And uh, Joseph Smith, who founded the Mormons, the, the, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, the, you need the Bible, but you also need the Book of Mormon. You can't really understand the Bible if you don't. You have to have the secret knowledge so that you'll, under, you'll understand these things. And there, you know, there, there, there are... Um, one of the ways to understand the great totalitarian movements of the 20th century was to understand them as Gnostic movements, world-hating movements, Nazism and, so, and communism. Wipe away this world so that we can escape to a, a perfect future. Now, St. John, and he's writing in his letter, and, and he's trying to tell them what the true faith is. And he's trying to tell them what it really means to believe in Jesus. And he's trying to tell them what it really and truly means to be spiritual. And he says this very cryptic thing. It's kind of a cryptic thing, isn't it, if you just look at this and you don't know anything about it. Um, the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, this, this, this one, Jesus, this one who came by water and the blood, Jesus who came by water and the blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one that testifies for the Spirit is truth. So the Holy Spirit is confirming me, St. John says, this is the truth, that Jesus Christ is the one who came by water and the blood. Water and the blood, what, why is he on about that? What's so in, important about that? Well, remember what the Gnostics were teaching. They were teaching that the Christian faith was a matter of views not news. They were teaching that the Christian faith is a matter of views, not news. It's a matter of a teaching. It's a matter of a secret password. It's a matter of a, of a kind of a special understanding. And uh, one of my heroes, Leslie Newbigin, missionary bishop in India in the 20th century said, the Christ Christian faith is not views, it's news. It's news about something that has happened, about God himself eternal word of God seeking, searching, sacrificial love coming all the way down to us. It's not about us with some kind of sage wisdom ascending to heaven. It's about God coming to us to seek us out and find us. And, and, and take our sins upon himself so that we will not be crushed by the burden of them and overcome them, and rise victorious, overcome them, and give us this victorious life by the gift of the Spirit, and so raise us up. And so remember, so the, the, the Gnostic is teaching, they were happy that Jesus was baptized. Yeah, he got, the, he got the Spirit when he was baptized, but you don't need the crucifixion. And St. John is saying, no, 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 no. You need the water, the baptism, and you need the blood. What's going on here? You remember at the end of St. John's Gospel, and uh, Jesus is hanging upon the cross with the two thieves. And the Jewish uh, authorities are, they, they want these men to die because it's a, it's a very holy day, and you can't have these, these crucified criminals hanging on the cross. It would profane the holy day. And so they, they, they ask the, the centurion that's in charge, can you speed it up? 
And they can. There's a way to do that. You die in a crucifixion, you die by asphyxiation. So the way to speed it up is you break the legs of the victim so then he can't raise himself anymore and, and, and at great pain and agony, grasp a gasp. And so they break the legs of the one and they break the legs of the other one. And they come to Jesus and they find that he's already dead, but they need to make sure. And so they, you know, the soldier, Longines is, we think, his name, puts the spear in his side and outpours water and blood. Outpours water and blood. And the fathers of the church, the, the patristic writers, have always seen this as an image of the birth of the church, that the, birth, that the church is born from the side of Christ. And the water that is pouring out is the water of baptism. And the blood that is pouring out, and we, it's a little bit difficult for us right now because we're not sharing the cup of salvation. It's perfectly authentic and legitimate in every way. Uh, you know, one, communion in one kind alone is perfectly uh, full in every way. But there's a... The fullness of the symbol is not there in front of us. It's the blood of the body that's been broken for us. In the, in the Bible, the life is in the blood. And so this is, his, this, is, this is the outpoured life of the Son of God. That washes away the sins of the world. Now you remember when the people of Israel were delivered from their slavery in Egypt. And Moses gave them a memorial. You're supposed to do this every year, every year, to make present that deliverance. So we live it again, we participate in it again. We take a, a Paschal lamb, a Passover lamb, and you kill it in the right way, and, and you eat it in the right way. Don't break the legs of it. And this was, St. John says, to fulfill the scripture that not a leg of him was to be broken. In the beginning of St. John's Gospel, John the Baptist says of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sin of the world. And we say in the Eucharist, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So here's the contrast. If we're Gnostics, we're really smart. We're really, we're really sharp. We... Um, we um, we have a very sophisticated understanding of the Christian faith that uh, some ordinary people can't reach. Uh, we are uh, we're in on the secret. We're amongst the elite. We are really, really spiritual. We don't need external things. We don't need to come to church to find God. We can do that on our own. We don't need the Bible. We don't need the fellowship of the church. We don't need the sacraments. We're really, really spiritual. If we're Catholic Christians, that is, Catholic here meaning that which has always and everywhere been believed, we are people who want to love God and fail. We are people who want to love our brothers and sisters and our neighbors, and we fail. And we need Passover lamb. We need the word of God's eternal love to come all the way down to us and be flesh and take upon himself the darkness of the world and vanquish it with love and pour that love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
We need him to descend so that we can ascend, because we can only go up holding on to him, not some secret password. We need the fellowship of the church. We need the water and we need the blood. We need baptism and we need the cross and we need the resurrection and we need the ascension. We need the gift of the spirit and we need the bread and the wine and we need to, you know, be able to see things and smell things and hear things and, and touch things and thereby have him touch us. We need the water and the blood. And the Spirit testifies that this is the truth. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.